Cameron. What? What is it? What? Spontaneous. What? What? What is spontaneous? What do you? What? what Have you, you seen it? What? What are you talking about? I don't get it. Have you seen spontaneous? I don't know what that is. Well, so... let's go find out. I think I'm gonna die. I think I'm gonna die. Hello, friends of the podcast. Welcome back to Inconceivable Media. I am your host, Miles. And I'm Cam. And today we are going to look over Spontaneous. It was a little spur of the moment, but uh, why not? Yeah, it seems fitting. At least this time we have something to talk about as opposed to when I have jumped this on other people and they'll just be like, I don't have anything to say. Why did you Why did you make me watch this? We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Excellent. So for those of you who do not know, Spontaneous was made in 2020. It is a Ron Black com horror. And the plot starts during a senior calculus class at a Covington High. A senior student inexplicably explodes, spraying the surrounding students with her blood. And the police take them into custody just to do an investigation, and it goes on from there. Now, this series does ask a lot of good questions, <clears throat> like what happens to those stick family stickers on the back of cars if somebody dies, or who's next, or if anybody is next. So, now, I have to ask you some questions, Cameron. Oh, God. What did you think of this movie? I really liked this. Um, but to I, I gotta be honest, right now, when you said... Do you want to watch a rom-com? Uh, I had something else. I had a completely different idea in my mind of what we were going to be watching. This was not at all what I was expecting. Well, Cameron, we've been over the rules. I don't watch two things, westerns and rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. Now that we broke that, everything is on the table. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was also why I was a little surprised when you said, hey, do you want to watch this? You like rom-coms? And I'm sitting there going... When, since when do you like rom-coms, Miles? <laughs> well, I don't, but this is just funny enough. I love it. Well, considering that black humor is a big part of this movie, I can understand why why this was something that you, you know, said that you'd break your rule for. Okay, so another quick question I'll ask you is, do you think these actors and actresses are too old? Um, no, I didn't think so, actually. Um, I understand that that is often a problem when it comes to doing high school type stuff where you'll get actors that vary wildly in age, but generally speaking, the main cast members are all, shoot, sometimes they're our age. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. Oh, uh, well, okay, not that old, but I mean, I think... Um, okay. as I think we could get Ron Perlman to be a senior football team player. I think, I, I think that would be great. Senior high school football player. Beard and all. <laughs> I think of something like um, Andrew Garfield uh, for the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. I think he was 27 or 28 or something. Um, so he was already uh, a decade older than most of the extras that were high school aged kids for that movie. Um, but... I guess at the time, actually, no, now that I think about it, he still is youthful looking enough that I suppose I could buy him as a freshman in a university. It's true. I mean, I he does hate Mondays and love his lasagna. 
<laughs> so I didn't think that they looked too old. Everyone who was uh, a, a student, I didn't, no one jumped out to me. Okay. Uh, now, uh, would you honestly recommend this movie to others? Yes. Yes, I would, actually. Okay. Uh, who would that be? I could pretty much anyone that we know, any of our friends, although I'm sure you probably also would recommend it to our friends. Um, I think that I would recommend, I would probably recommend this to anyone who is interested in rom-coms as well. More so because of, I would like to see their reactions once they get to some of the parts that threw me for a loop as well. Um, so would you also include anybody who liked Looper? Probably, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I probably would. Um... <laughs> Honestly, most people that I recommend movies to are generally people that are looking for something that, not not different, but are looking for something that might make them think about stuff or go, you know what, I, I appreciated what this movie was trying to go for, and I like that they did this differently. Okay, uh, now last question is would you watch this again yeah i uh, yeah i would which it's not that you haven't been showing me things that i don't want to watch again because you have but every so often you do show me something and i go it's not that i'm not going to watch this again it's just that i don't feel that i the need to watch it again whereas this i enjoyed it so i would absolutely watch it again and enjoy it again okay well in that case let's uh Let's not waste any more of all of our times and get right into the spoiler territory. Alright. The evil had spread like a fever ahead. It was night when you died, my firefly. What could I have said to raise you from the dead? Or could I be the sky on the 4th of July? Now that we made it into spoiler territory, let's talk about some of this plot. It all starts with a girl named Caitlin Ogden. 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 Uh, in her calculus class, when she... Snap, crackle? Pop. Yep. Rice Krispie squares. This, of course, sends the class into a frenzy, and they quickly had a... They quickly got to go on a nice field trip to the police station. Where they were questioned to be sure that this isn't going to happen again. Because, first of all, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But it does. And a lot more. Anyways, after the funeral, funeral, the main character, Mara, gets uh, high on mushrooms supplied by Jenna and Joel Delton, played by Lane McNeil and Clive Holloway. Uh, Mara is actually played by... You completely just jumped over that's Catherine, Catherine Langford, Langford. Mm -hmm. for, for all those who know. Anyone who is a uh, big, um, what the heck was it, 10 Reasons Why? Or was it 13? Whatever. I have no 13 idea. 13 Reasons it's Why. not the kind of show that I'd like to watch. It, from what I've heard, it was pretty poorly done. Well, and Bojack Horseman apparently did the whole stage degree 18 times better. Well... I'm just putting that out there because that was her big breakout role is that she's the one who commits suicide. Oh, spoilers for anyone who has 
only heard of that series and doesn't actually know what it's about. <laughs> sure, spoilers. I mean, these days, the trailers spoiler it, spoil everything for you. So, anyways, I just wanted to put that out there because Where it's not we? that she's not an unknown. Uh, so her friend. Mara gets high on mushrooms, and then they uh, she goes and drinks them with her friend Tess, who's played by Haley Law. And Mara gets approached by a boy named Dylan, played by Charlie Plummer, uh, where he confesses he has a crush on her. Cue the awe. Are we going to skip over what he did before? <laughs> sure. The dick pics. The classy dick pics. Because they thought, are of Richard Nixon. <laughs> I thought that was great, honestly. That's honestly that, the kind of stuff I do. Mm-hmm. Or like if, you know, the girlfriend's bugging me, he's like, oh, you know, you never send me dick pics. I'm like, okay, here you go. And I send her pictures of dick dicks. <laughs> tons and tons of dick dicks. <laughs> yep. And for those of you who don't know what those are, it's spelled D-I-K, D-I-K. Uh, it's actually a basically African antelope that's about the size of a small cat. So anyways, they kind of get to know each other over the uh, course of time. And uh, it, it follows Merrick, uh, this Mara character, Mara Carly. Carlisle. Carlisle. Well, and stick her with, journey stick with through, <laughs> uh, through these impetuous times. After Caitlin Pops, the next one was a guy by the name, a jock named Perry Love. He was on the senior football team. And uh, turns out he was gay and Mara had no idea <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty cool thing. Didn't you like this part? Yes, I did, actually. Um, and we'll probably talk about it more. But this was one of the things that I appreciated because, uh, in a way, the only character that it had an impact on was Mara because she didn't know. And I feel that it... We don't get to linger on it for too long, but I feel that there were probably some preconceptions that she had because they're all jocks and she's 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 kind of in that loner hipster would probably date someone who rides a motorcycle type click like the fawns yeah or yeah. perhaps even more like uh Stephen Hyde from that 70s show he never rides a motorbike that I think but that type of Johnny Spells that's his name Johnny, Johnny spells, spells and he fucks <laughs> which it turns out he doesn't so <laughs> Well, then why would they? Ah, it's it's all about persona. He's that. Oh, he was that okay, guy who everybody's it. like, how old is he? We don't know, but he doesn't go to school here anymore. Oh. But he drives a motorbike and him and his gang are like, they're all tieflings. And oh, God. Uh, he's dating like the one of the main high school cheerleaders. And uh, <laughs> it turns out that actually his gang does a lot of like, uh, they do like, uh, not show tunes, but like. Sort of the gang stuff that would happen in um, Greece. Oh, okay. So it's like musical oh, theater, yeah, 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 kind right. of like gang fighting stuff. So ah, always so practicing sort of, that. Sort of like what you see in the original West Side Story, right? Exactly. Yes. That's, that's exactly what he's yeah. based on. Oh. oh, my goodness. That's great. That's a series you really do have to sit down and watch. I know you're not a huge fan of the D&D uh, podcast stuff. But this one's actually on YouTube, and the the players make it. And um, <laughs> Brendan Lee Mulligan is an unbelievably good DM. I think you've shown me clips from this before, so I'm at least aware of it. What was it called again? Fantasy High D&D game. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fantasy High the D&D game. 
done by Rule 20, or not Rule 20 Law, done by uh, College Humor through Dimension 20. Uh, but I suppose we should get back to it. So, I mean, so the fact, the thing that I liked was the fact that um, basically he's revealed to Mara that he's gay, but it seems like everyone else was at least aware of it. And so for her, it's just like, I never knew because I didn't care because all I cared about was the we love Cox uh, gag with him yeah. and the two other guys, which they had to have known what they were doing. Oh, they absolutely, they absolutely knew, what they, knew what they were doing. That's why they would always play the game with the crowd. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's a good point. It was a way to raise spirits. So where were we? Oh, yes, right. So anyways, let's move forward to the house party where uh, Cranberry Bollinger, uh, probably butchering that name. It was never actually said in this series. Uh, she pops. So an FBI agent, uh, Caro Rossetti, comes in, played by Yvonne Orji. Uh, she arrives to figure out what to do and find out why these kids are popping. And so she enlists the help of Mara to find who's supplying drugs for the town, hoping it's a lead. Well, so, yeah, I suppose why not, right? I mean, I mean you got to eliminate things, right? That's true, and you may as well start with drugs because they're high school kids. They're probably doing drugs. Exactly. So Mara goes and help uh, gets the help from Joe and Jenna, and uh, they have to drive to their stash because, of course, they don't keep it on them. And uh, they even talk about planning and leaving this stupid town to make sure that they're not the ones who blow up next when all of a sudden Joe explodes while driving the SUV. Then Mara pushes Jen over to the driver's side to try to get things going, and then Jenna explodes. Yep. <laughs> this was the scene where all of a sudden it... Um, this was where it, it really settled for me what kind of humor and comedy this was. Because everything about her trying to, you know, get over and... Um, and, and, and get control of the vehicle again, is there are humor, there are, there are comical aspects to it, but also it's highly disturbing because someone literally just exploded all over them. Yep. Although I think her, uh, what she was doing was totally wrong. What she should have done was kick the vehicle into neutral and pulled the emergency brake. Oh, yeah, just just stop, right? Don't even try to regain control. Just yeah. stop the vehicle. Stop the vehicle. Yeah. Don't, don't try to swerve. Don't try to get off the road. Just do that. People yeah. will then stop. They'll realize something's wrong because when you pull your emergency brake, it actually does turn on your lights for mm -hmm. you. So uh, I would hope so because it's an emergency. Exactly. But, you know, that's, that's just us clear thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, would we remember that if that happened to us in the scenario, because we can talk all about how we would do it as rational thinkers. And then when we're put in that situation, would our emotions override our rational thinking? And then we would be irrational. Well, both of us are very not super emotional. So I don't think that'd be too big of a deal. That is a, that's actually a good point. <laughs> now that I think about it. I mean, like I'm an emotional speaker mm -hmm. and, but I'm not an emotional I don't let my emotions control me, sort of like you are. Right. So I use them to my advantage and then push them away when I feel like they'll be an issue. So Fair enough. Anyway, so, so anyways, uh, uh, exploding people happen again. So basically all the kids are then uh, gathered up and thrown into uh, tents and quarantined. 
then they're fed some drugs that they hope will work. And then a bunch of kids pop into quarantine. Because <laughs> it just doesn't stop. It doesn't. Well, it's like they say, once you pop the fun, don't stop. Yep. Pringles got it right. <laughs> <laughs> and but, then they get left, and then they get let out. Or Yeah, well, they, they're confident that, uh, that they found something that works, and they get to go back to school. Go back. The rest of you go about your lives. Just, you know, there's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here. Just keep, just keep doing what you were doing. So then the Mara and Dylan couple, uh, Martin, as I'm going to call them, uh, they share some intimate times, both in bed and dancing in a barn to 80s music. And uh, <laughs> you thought I was just going to glance over that? <laughs> Forget about it? Uh, Hell no, that was important. <laughs> well, I mean, it is important that we see how their, uh, how their romance is, um, uh, is progressing, for sure. I'll, uh, I mean, we'll get into this when we're talking more about the characters, but there was things about Dylan, his mannerisms, that I really liked. And one of them, of course, was before they have sex for the first time. And just the way he acts with how she said stuff to him, I said, yeah, I probably would have reacted that way, too, if a girlfriend said that to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like, that's really awkward phrasing. Why did you why did you do this? <laughs> supposed to be cute not strange <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways uh so then uh since they're going back to school and everything seems to be fine uh more people start to explode dozens of us yeah dozens <laughs> <laughs> oh then mar and dylan get separated because mar almost got trampled but then they eventually find each other in time just in time for dylan to explode yeah. Uh, my favorite character does die here. It's not Dylan. It's actually the... Uh, oh, was it the, uh, yeah. the the guy who is in all the protective gear and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a gem. All of your protections can't save you here. Yeah, it's so interesting with that, where he gets himself all dolled up thinking that that will make a difference, but they don't know what's causing it, so what was the point? Exactly. But anyways, it made him feel comfortable. That that was the point. So anyways, uh, she doesn't really attend Dylan's funeral, but she does break down, trying to unlive essentially, drinking everything away, having lost Dylan, of course. She then steals some alcohol and throws a bottle at the FBI agent's car. Oh my god, that, that was, scene! That, was a great that scene. scene was so everything about that was so great because she just walks into the liquor store and she just grabs the bottles and you can see all the people that are just like we know who she is and are we gonna stop her? No, nope. that's not just, our job. No, she's I, been through enough. Yeah, <laughs> just, this is a small price to pay. Yep. Who cares about a couple bottles of tequila or vodka or whatever it was that she got? It's a vodka. Oh yeah. <laughs> But but then when she just oh man he's like oh the, you're, the here, here, here have a drink it throws just, the bottle oh that was great <laughs> just destroys the, the windshield it was awesome <laughs> <sighs> so uh, anyways it all comes down to her eventually laying down on Dylan's grave where she gets a sobering talk from Dylan's mom mm -hmm. now I do actually really like this scene uh, it really drives what I think is one of the main lessons home yeah and but, what's that. Uh, well, we'll get into that later. Oh, okay. All right. But uh, once again, the students gather up and 
give them a new set of this news button pill, which is what they start to call the drug. And this one seems to work. For now. Then Mar and Tess go to live on the beach as they dreamed, because life is short. Yeah, I, I liked the ending because um, I, I appreciate, and it really goes, uh, it kind of drives home the main theme of the film, where you just go out and do whatever the heck it is you want, and just kind of do it, and commit to doing it, and it's kind of interesting, it kind of embodies the YOLO uh, approach, I suppose, um, but considering what she just went through, I feel that she has no reason to not act in that way. And it's not like she is just going off to just do shrooms all the time. She's like, I'm going to be the president and I'm going to say, fuck you, Donald Trump. And or wait, no, that's not yeah, what that's she, exactly what she said. Well, she also says, oh, oh, no, there was something like. And if he says that bitch became president and I'll just be like, that's president bitch to you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wasn't sure how they were going to end the film and the way that they ended it like that with a, a montage, for lack of a better term. Um, Not a meritage? Well, I suppose we could call it that since it's all from her perspective. But I kind of liked it because it's. I'm not saying that most shows or movies or whatever will generally end uh, with things going off quietly into the night or whatever, or just kind of tie things up nicely with a bow. And instead with this one, she's just going, no, we had a horrible traumatic experience and it has changed me. And this is who I am now. I am going to be this very forward and just do, do things this way. And I'm not going to be quiet and I'm not going to be silent about it. Yeah. It was a nice change. Very good change. Instead mm -hmm. of being afraid of everything, it's, no, screw it. I'm going to make everything better. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you think this was a horror movie? <sighs> yes, I do think that it's a horror movie. Um, there, um, especially because of the way it was filmed, there were certain aspects that were really reminding me of slasher films thinking that, oh no, what's going to happen? Is all of a sudden someone, you know, is someone going to just jump out and just behead this person or stab them or whatever? Or in this case, they're going to explode, right? Yeah. But that same tension. Uh, tension from the framing and compositing and everything for the scenes brought out that same sense to me of going, oh yeah, this is absolutely a horror movie um, or this is designed to be make you think it's a horror movie. And I thought it was great. Um, well, although could I... Could you say that it was a Teshin? A Teshin? Teshin? Teshin. As in... Well, I was just about to say that the interesting thing about how a lot of people in the movie are traumatized and they're freaking out, obviously. I have to say that if I was one of those people, I would probably carry on like Tess did in the sense that absolutely i'm still afraid because clearly i could be one of those people that explodes but i'm not going to stop living my life because i could die any other number of ways at any time yeah i could get like really bad food poisoning as an example i could get plowed by a runaway truck or something like that i could get mugged and the mugging goes wrong 
who knows how many different ways and that can happen at any time so what why was, should i be afraid what was that one saying Thirty thousand people in the states die from shootings Forty thousand people die from tripping yep <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly no, it's uh like it's she's great. like she's obviously traumatized and she's afraid but the interesting thing that i found is that most of her mannerisms was towards mara seeing that mara is going down a very self-destructive path and she's trying to pull her out of it and just being like yes this sucks it absolutely does but we can still be together we can still be best friends and things like that and we can still live our lives until you know we die yes so we should continue to doing that we owe it to ourselves and to all of our colleagues all of our peers that don't get to live their lives anymore because who knows why <laughs> because one of the one of the race groups would be Square Gang went rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Which wh whichever one it is, I I can't remember who it's is not who. Snap or Crackle, I'll tell you that. Well, I know, <laughs> but I just mean in terms of which color they were. But whatever. It Anyways, uh, so would you would would you say this is a rom com? Uh, I suppose. I mean, I can't think of any other genre to put it in, um, unless. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you were going to call it like a psychological thriller or something like that, maybe you could throw it in there as well. I mean, horror movies and thriller movies often have a romantic aspect. And then they lean into the whole, you know, oh, you know, you must remain chaste and all that other crap. Yes, chased <laughs> by the bad guy. In order to not die, you must keep getting followed by him. Oh, I mean, okay. Never let them get there. Just like... Uh, you know what, you know what I mean. When <laughs> Just I like that one that it, what is it? It follows. <laughs> I think so. so. That was all about STDs, essentially. Yeah. But you, you know what I'm, you know what I'm meaning, actually. Yes. Um, so in a way, you could probably file it under that, but instead, because of the fact that they really do uh, lean into the more dark humor of it and the i wouldn't say inappropriate black yes just black just black that thank you i was sitting there going there is a term for this and it has just left my mind and i'm sitting here going wow i can't remember what that's called yes that's okay so uh what black did you humor. honestly think about the cast i liked them i feel that actually Mara was the only one that I didn't like. And that was actually more where she started. I didn't like her. Um, and perhaps part of that is also because of... <laughs> she very much was acting like a Holden Caulfield type character at the beginning. Yeah. I could just imagine if she was... Well, I mean, she is narrating it. But I could just imagine if she was writing a diary or something like that, that she would have similar mannerisms to what Holden does in Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yeah. I actually hated reading that book in high school. And one of the reasons why was because I couldn't believe how much of a fucking loser Holden was. And then as life has gone on, I sit there and I go, perhaps one of the reasons why I hated him is because I definitely was also like him, where I thought I was better than the crowd and things like that. Although I wasn't as much of a loser as he was. <laughs> Fair enough. I wasn't such a dweeb that I would, you know, be ostracized by my peers because I do stupid things like forget 
<laughs> be the equipment manager for the fencing team and then forget the fencing foils on the train. But is, uh... but ever but then as she grew and she went through her arc, I f- I found her a lot more relatable. Um, but definitely Dylan and Tess, I really liked them. So instead of relatable, would you say more more agreeable? Um, yes. Um, and I think actually, especially when it comes to other characters in the cast, um, who, which, what was the name of the, of the, of the one who was kind of the ringleader, the head football player or whatever? Um, oh, I have that down here. Um, he was the one who, he's the one who was talking uh, at the at the send off, the, the for... character's name was Steve. Steve, that's and he's played by Peter Boon, uh, Bundik. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when they were there for uh, Perry, Love was the one who died, right? Yes. Yeah. He was or he, by he was the first. Carlington. Yeah, he was the first one who died, and he was Second. the one that what, the first of the, the jocks. Yeah. yeah, because others of them do die, um, but he was, and he was the one that you know Mara got to find out that he was gay. But the way Steve talks about it, where he says, when he came out to us in sixth grade and we were all there for him and we support him. And I sat there and I said, I like that we are seeing this in shows like this because we need more affirmations like this in our media, uh, especially because a lot more kids are getting more comfortable at younger ages. Um and we need to have portrayals like this to show that, yes, just because you're gay doesn't mean that you are a completely different person than you were before you said those words. Um, we are even actually seeing this happen out in the real world. I can only think of this from a, a hockey perspective because I watch a fair amount of hockey, but the NHL has a, um, has a slogan um, and campaign attached to it that is called You Can Play. And the entire point of it is for NHL players to come out and, well, some of them come out as well in that way. Uh, but the entire point is to demonstrate to kids coming up through the system that they don't have to be heteronormative to have a place in the NHL and make millions of dollars. And that was also something that I liked with how Steve conducted himself when he was giving the eulogy as well. He's still acting the way he is. He's still got that broy personality, and that doesn't like that's that that's your personality. Okay, that's how you talk. That doesn't mean that you're a bigot. That doesn't mean you're a homophobe or anything like that. It's just <laughs> that's just how you are. Reminds me of uh, who was it? Um... I can't remember the comedian's name. Really, really big guy with a really small face. He passed away during COVID. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. But it, he does a whole skit on uh, going down south for a gay parade. Or a, not gay parade. Uh, a gay wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, you know, at the end of the day, because I do come from the south, I uh, I always I was always taught to think that being... Uh, like being approached by a gay person and having them hit on you mm-hmm. is the worst thing you could experience in your life and ultimately I came to realize that it was the exact opposite 
Could you imagine being a straight guy in amongst a whole bunch of gay guys and not having a single one of them hit on you <laughs> or anything? <Aww. laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> Aww. He was a good comedian. He was a good sport. I, I, liked, I really liked him. But yeah, that, it kind of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's carry on then. Uh, what do you think of the themes of this uh, show or this movie are? Um, and does the tone match it? I guess one theme is the title of the movie, that anything can happen at any time, the whole spontaneity of it. Um, but I feel that the other big one, and this is where Tess comes in, is how she's she keeps talking about how we have to keep going. I'm going back to school. I'm going to graduate and I'm going to go to college and things like that. And I am going to continue living my life because I don't want to be here anymore. And we see that with Mara's parents, too, because they say that this is why we're uh, we're encouraging you to, to, to go to college and things like that. We want you to live. We want you to get out of here because if it's just something that's happening here, then absolutely we don't want you to stay here because we don't want you to die. We didn't spend all these years raising you just for you to die before you became an adult. She's, eh, you're going to die anyways. She's got good parents. Mar- Mara's got good parents. <laughs> yeah, the dad is like, oh, we know you smoke pot. I don't want to smoke pot. Quit the shit. You're really bad at hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> and just hands her a vape. There you go. Have a vape. <laughs> we, we know we don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, Finish exactly. your schooling. <laughs> exactly. But I mean... And and we kind of see um, this is something that is done in real life, too. Um, when tragedies happen or even when things are ongoing, say if there's a pandemic or there's a war happening uh, where you live or anything like that, there is a certain amount of keep doing what you've always been doing just now understand that there are some new restrictions and some new things that you need to be aware of that you probably didn't have to before. Perhaps don't go out at this time of night and avoid these parts of town because that's where things are happening. And maybe if you don't want to get caught in the crossfire, yeah, avoid that. But other than that, just go back to work, go back to school, just go back to doing what you're doing because that will keep you from panicking. Yes, uh, so you think 17-year-olds were a good choice uh, for the framing? Yes, I do, actually. I think that it was actually good, especially because of the fact that they're seniors, so they graduate at the end of the movie. So it's a good framing device in the sense that you have this issue of our lives are just about to start and our lives are being cut short. Because in a way, it really reflects on where we are in the world right now, too. So many people are becoming adults and finding out that the world is on fire and the world as they have known it growing up is going to be changing fundamentally immediately. Oh, yeah. So one of the things... And they don't have control over it. Yeah. So one of the things I did like about the fact that they use 17-year-olds for this mm-hmm. is uh, I can kind of relate to this story in a strange way <laughs> because I had somebody die in every year of my school plus the one after uh, while I was in high school. 
Yep. So it's like, oh, anybody can die at any time. It, maybe not a spontaneous pop, but it can happen. <laughs> I know what you're talking about because I knew some of those people too. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought it was a, a funny, funny happenstance. <laughs> Anyways, uh, characters and acting again. Were they good? Relatable? Mm. I honestly still think they were too old. That's and that's fine, um, and I, I I kind of already talked about this, um, and yeah, really it, it just goes back to Mara, um, but uh, Dylan I really liked, and of course it turns out that actually his actor is the youngest of the main cast, while everyone else is kind of in their early to mid twenties, um, he was actually I think nineteen or 20 when they started filming for this. So he was like the closest to actually being a high school student. And I definitely thought that looking, looking at him and just the way he was acting, I just probably helped that because he was so close to that age that he remembered. Whereas most everybody else, it's been so long that they don't really remember. Yeah, it was still fresh in his head. I can kind of remember how I acted when I was in high school, but it's been so long and I've gone through so much stuff over those years that I probably fundamentally would not really be able to emulate the way I acted in high school anymore. I can't do that. Yeah, I don't know about me. I didn't change a whole lot, but Um, I just got a little bit more confident and yeah, that was about it. So... Let's move on to the direction. Do you mm-hmm. think the movie was going forward at a good pace? Yeah. I feel that it... it I, funny enough, I felt that this movie went a little bit longer than I thought it would since it's a, a, a rom-com. Um, but surprisingly enough, I don't feel that it dragged in any parts. Now, part of why it was a little bit longer, I think, is has to do with the nature of what they're doing. So that's not something that you could really wrap up in 80 to 90 minute runtime the way that rom-coms normally go. There's a whole bunch of things I feel in rom-coms that you can kind of just skip over because if you've seen enough movies of this type, you know what's going to happen. So you don't need to dwell on that stuff. Whereas here, because they're flipping the table every so often, they need to expand things out a little bit so that you as the audience have a little bit of time to digest what's happening as well. But the pacing of it works really well. So even though it was longer, it didn't feel like a long movie and it didn't feel that it dragged or overstayed its welcome or anything. Oh yeah, totally agree with you on that. Uh, Let's go on to the score. How did (laughs) you find, did you find the music complemented the video or contrast? (sighs) I found the music, especially the soundtrack, very cheesy. I get why they did it, and I understand why they chose what they did. But it was so cheesy, and honestly, it's probably the most rom-com thing, like standard rom-com thing, I should say, about this movie. Because I think everything else is really different. I mean... Even the whole one of the pairing dies, usually in these types of movies, that is one of the things that happens towards the end of the movie. But this happens kind of around the halfway point or maybe even two-thirds point. 
like there's a lot of movie to cover oh, after yeah. after Dylan dies. As and, they should, because that's kind of you know, you gotta deal with grief and all that, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing is that I feel in a lot of movies of this kind, if they do have one where someone is dying and they get together, they don't die until the end. Well, as Bojack Horseman says, once the uh, the story isn't over afterwards, right? Yeah, that's true. The, the credits don't just roll and everything goes back to the way it was before. Yep. <sighs> yep. <clears throat> There's always an after the wedding, after the, the, the dragon goes by and all that. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of dragons, let's move on to the special effects. What do you think of the special effects of this corn-based cereal? <laughs> so, I honestly... Um, hmm, how would I put this? I liked how it started, um, but after a while, I absolutely was noticing that it wasn't real blood. That they're, Obviously, they're not using real blood regardless. But even the stage blood that they were using after a while, I was just thinking, this isn't real blood. Like, this this is kind of taking me out of it because I feel that... Well, I mean, what, what, was, what was this movie rated? Uh, it was actually rated R. Okay, so they absolutely could have used more realistic-looking blood and guts if they wanted to. And don't tell me that they wouldn't just because it's a comedy. Because you haven't seen The Boys, but there are lots of people that explode in The Boys, and they still find ways to make that funny. Despite the fact that they are, like, people are literally getting covered with, like, bits of brain and stuff like that and muscle. Well, I don't think it was all supposed to be funny, so... I guess. I mean, but still... I. It took me out of it, especially when they had the part where everyone, where you had like a dozen people exploding at once. Like there were some aspects of it that I thought, okay, yeah, that's kind of gross. But I was still thinking it would probably go further if it looked a little bit more realistic. Yeah. But then maybe that might have been too much for most people. And I understand that we're probably, we have, we probably have, uh, stronger stomachs than other people oh yeah when yeah, it comes absolutely. to things like when it comes to things like this being hunters of course uh, <laughs> and yet i'm the one who's always dressing the deer for you i gotta give you something to do <laughs> i've done it plenty of times man i've been hunting since i was 10 and yet you're the one who's just like i can't stand the smell <laughs> yeah it just gets to me anyways uh what <laughs> Let's talk about the dialogue. Do you think it matched with the characters, who the characters were? Yes, I did. Um, and especially the way Dylan and Tess acted. Um, Mara, uh, again, it's just kind of interesting where the way she starts out, I think in some ways they probably did this on purpose. But the way she starts out, I kind of was rolling my eyes a bit and just being like, oh, okay, yeah this is this kind of person and this is the arc that she's probably going to go through. And she did. Um, and they found ways to have really sentimental and intimate things that felt 
pretty realistic to how I have seen people react in grief, how I have myself reacted uh, to losing loved ones. But it takes a while to get there. And honestly, just the way Dylan was acting, I definitely just understood him as an awkward teenager trying to figure things out and at least finding someone that also is awkward like he is. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he says it himself when he's talking about how did I know where he says, you know, I know it's, you know, sounds like a stereotype or or that sort of thing. But, you know, this this was when I knew this was the moment and these were the little things. And it's interesting. <laughs> um, I think back to what the heck was it in the first? Yeah, in the first Max Payne game. Uh, it's towards the end of the game and during one of the, the comic book um, cutscenes, he says something about how, yes, this might seem like I just keep going over the same tragic things and the, um, and the metaphors that I'm using may sound cliche, but the interesting thing is that when it's happening to you, it's not a cliche because this is how you're actually feeling. And I felt the same way with how he's talking. He says, this might sound like a cliche because in some ways it probably is, but this is actually how I feel. So it's not a cliche to me. I love the extra drug drug tie-in. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I, I love the dialogue in the movie. I think it matched the characters extremely well. Uh, the characters were well done. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you on the special effects there. It could have been a little bit better, but uh, I mean, you got to have something to complain about to make it a perfect movie, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything else that really needs to be said. I mean, we've been... <laughs> We even found a way to talk about, again, my reaction to, and again, why I liked Dylan so much is like his reaction to when Mara's just like, I have a present for you. And he's like, oh God, I don't have anything for you. And then she's like, it's my body in a sexual way. And his, and his reaction just being like, uh, what? why did you, why, why you, you you've just, like this? <laughs> you've just turned our first time into a potentially super awkward scenario. And it's already awkward because this is our first time doing this and we don't know what we're doing. But oh. then but then he got but then he got to go back on that later because then he's like, I'm happy I didn't explode all over you. And then both yeah, of us yeah. are just sitting there going, it's like, oh God, phrasing. Oh, phrasing, man. He did that on purpose. <laughs> he did it all on purpose. <laughs> Anyways, that should come to the end of this here. With uh it all starts with a bang and ends with a pun. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's just how we are here at Inconceivable Media. Yes. Now, thank you again for joining us. If you have any movies or shows you want to recommend to us, please get a hold of us through our social media. Just look for Red Dragon Media. Gold Dragon Media. Gold Dragon. Gold Dragon, <laughs> damn it. Why do I keep saying red? I don't know. We're not evil. We're not evil. Yes. Where are we? I like to think that we are not. Okay. I'll, I'll go. We are metallic. We're, we're the good ones. 
Uh, yeah, so just take a look for us on Gold Dragon Media. Uh, that's on Instagram and I do believe uh, Twitter as well. Yeah, I mean, our handle is Media Talk with a with three in the media. Oh, yes, for uh, for our little, for our Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, thank you for listening. And I'm your host, Miles. And I'm Cam. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. Don't explode on us. Please. Please.